Alrighty, so we are on Lamed Aleph, Amad Aleph, 31a, second to uh, second line from the very top. We're in the middle of talking about excessive happiness. Obviously, we have to understand more what that means, but how the sages try to um, discourage excessive happiness. Now, they also very much encouraged happiness, so what that means exactly is uh, may not be the topic of this conversation, but let's just see... Um, Let's just see what the Gemara has to say. Okay. We're at, uh, as I said, we're at the second line on Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph 31a. Rav Ashi, Abad Rav Ashi made a wedding for his son, Chazinul Rabbanon. He saw that the sages, the Havokabad Chituva, were too happy. So he brought a white glass cup, the Tavar Kamayo, and broke it in front of them, the Atsivu, and they refocused and, um, were more serious. Zuti. The rabbi said to Rab Hamnuna Zuti, at the wedding of Mar the son of Ravina. sing for us, master. he said to them. So he started to sing the following very depressing song. Vailanda Misnan, woe is to us that we will die. Vailanda Misnan, woe is to us that we will die. So again, he obviously was trying to dampen the mood so that no one was excessively happy. Amri Le, so they said to him, Anam Anani Basrach. So you're singing a really, uh, you're singing a song, and we're supposed to have a refrain to the song. What should the, the refrain be? Meaning you already talked about the worst thing that could happen to us, which is death. What should we say that is, you know, that, that could even compete with that? Amri Le, so they said to him, I'm sorry, Amr Lahu, he said to them, you should answer, um, where is the Torah and where are the mitzvahs that can protect us? Meaning, it's one thing to die, but it's even worse to die without a good record of Torah and mitzvahs. Okay. It is forbidden for a person's mouth to be filled with laughter in this world. Shenemar, as the verse says, Then our mouths will be filled with laughter and our tongues with joy. When It says then that will happen to us. When is this then? When is it? It's when the other nations will say, Higdil Hashem la Hashem has done greatly with this people. So in other words, it's when, at the time of Mashiach, that's when our mouths should be filled with laughter, but not before that. Amru Allah Reish Lakish, they said about Reish Lakish, that in his day, um, never was his mouth full of laughter in this world. From when he heard Rabbi Yochanan, say this concept that our mouths should not be filled with laughter in this world okay so we finish that that kind of more cryptic discussion and now we're back to talking about um proper preparation for prayer we're at the words tanu rabbanon which is the first colon on 31a tanu rabbanon the rabbis taught in we should not stand to pray not um, in the middle of a lawsuit, meaning if you're in the middle of a lawsuit, um, it, you're, it's very hard to focus properly, so you should try to get that out of your mind. Um, and actually, many commentaries explain that this is a reference to the judge that was judging a lawsuit, 
that he shouldn't go directly from the lawsuit to pray. There should be a time where he has like a cooling off. And you also should not start praying immediately after having learned a uh, topic in Jewish law because your mind is focused on that and it's hard to transition. Rather, you, before davening, you should be, you should, an appropriate thing to be coming off of in, uh, and into davening is a very, um, a very succinct, um, non uncomplicated law. That's what you really should, that would be something appropriate to be learning before davening. What is an example of this kind of very concise law that is clear? So the examples we're going to bring are actually not so clear, but I guess like if you had that background, then they would be very clear. Amr Abayah, so let's go through them. Abayah says, One example would be like that which Rabzera says. Amr Abzera says, The daughters of Israel were stringent upon themselves. That even if they just saw the smallest drop of menstrual blood, the size of a mustard seed, Nonetheless, they would still count seven clean days before going to the mikvah, before going to the ritual bath to um, to uh, take away the tuma, which again is mistranslated as impurity um, of the of menstruation. So, what is this a reference to? So, basically, as follows. Um, the way it works is, and we won't get into all the details, but the way it works is, is that. If a woman menstruates, then um, they for seven days she is considered she is in uh, she is termed amida, and for instance, uh, her and her husband cannot be together intimately. Um, and then after seven days, as long as her menstruation has stopped, she can go to the mikvah. That's like that's that w- that would be the biblical law. There is a point in time during a woman's cycle where if she were to see blood um, three times, she actually, it's not enough. You don't just wait the seven days and go to the mikvah. You actually have to count seven clean days or white days, which are the days basically in which there is no blood. So that's, you know, instead of the first concept, which I shared, which is, you just have to count seven days, even if you were bleeding the entire time, as long as you stopped by the end of the seventh day, you can go to the mikvah and you're good. In this scenario, you would have to count seven clean days in order to be allowed to go to the mikvah. So what we're saying here is, is that um, the women were stringent upon themselves, that no matter when it was that they saw blood and no matter how much blood they saw, they would always make sure to count seven clean days. Um, in other words, they were more stringent than the letter of the law required. Okay, so that's a, that's a topic in mikvah, when it comes to the mikvah and nida, menstru- uh, a woman that is menstruating. Um, but uh, that is one example of a clear and concise law. Um, Rava Amar, Rava says, Ki hadar of Hoshia, an example of this would be that which Rav Hoshia says. Dam Rav Hoshia, Rav Hoshia says, Marim adam you're allowed to um, be crafty when it comes to your wheat you can bring in your wheat while still in its husks in order that your animal be able to eat from it and it being exempt from tithes the way it works out is is that if your wheat is still in its husk 
um, it's not considered properly um, processed. And only processed wheat needs to, um, you need to tithe. So what we're saying is, is that if it's only for your animals, you could be tricky and just bring it into your home with the husk still on or with the chaff still on and feed it to your animals that way and you will, you'll be exempt from tithing those parts of your crops. V-E-B-I-S-A, that's another considered clear and concise law. And then the third, V-E-B-I-S-A, if you want, I can say, Kihad Rav Huna, that which Rav Huna said. Dam Rav Huna, Rav Huna said, Rav Zera. Hamakis dam bevehemas kachim. If you bloodlet an animal that belongs to kachim, an animal that is sanctified, in other words, that belongs to the temple treasury, Asr Bahana, you're not allowed to get any sort of benefit from that blood. Umoa Limba, and you have transgressed the prohibition of Me'ila against it, which is which is the prohibition of misusing or using um, a sanctified animal, and you'd have to bring a sacrifice in turn. So that's another example of a clear and concise law. And it's those types of laws that you should that if you're going to be learning, you should learn before davening and go into davening from those because then your mind can easily transition from the learning to the davening. Um, let's see, let's go further. Rabbanan Avdi Kimas Nisan, the sages, they did like our Mishnah says, which which was very simply that you have to, when you're standing to rise in prayer, it needs to be with a certain seriousness. Um, Rav Ashi Avdi Kibraisa and Rav Ashi did like the Brisa that we just read, which is that before davening, um, you should learn a very clear and concise law right before davening. So that is um, that is that story. We are now at the second two dots on Lamed Aleph, Ahmed Aleph on 31a, and we're still going to talk about preparing for prayer. You should not stand to pray. Um, if you are, you know, in a state of sadness, or in a state of laziness, or in a, or in a state of some sort of frivolity, or in the middle of a, you know, of a of a silly conversation, and not in the middle of being um, lightheaded, and not in the middle of discussing, you know, um, which are, non unimportant but more than that i would say idle words rather your mindset should be one of joy of about to be doing a mitzvah and that is how you should pray yourself to pray um, all right and so too there are also appropriate ways of parting from your friend okay you should not part from your friend with uh chatter and not with um Frivolity, velomi toch kalasrosh, and not with lightheadedness, velomi toch dvar metelem, and not idle words, elmi toch dvar halacha. Rather, the way you should part from your friend is with a word of Jewish law. Shekem atzino benavim harishonim. We find this in the early prophets. Shesimu devreim devreshevach v'sanchunim, that they would finish off their words. They would part from each other with um, words of praise and tanchumim and consolation. Um, and that's what they would do. And it would seem, it would seem that what we're trying to show from the early prophets is that even if their, the tone of the entire book would be one that was a bit depressing and sad, 
the the way that they would part off or the way that they would finish the book would still be with words of praise and consolation. So that is the idea. Um, okay, Mary And so too did Mary, who is the son of the son of Rav Huna, the son of Rabbi Yirmiyah Abba, he tanin abraisa. Al yifatera dame chaveiro el mitolvar halacha. You should only part from your friend with words of a uh, Jewish law. Because if that is how you part from your friend, you will be remembered. Your friend will remember you. You will remember your friend. Um, because you finished off with a with that with a lofty concept. Like we see that Rav Kahana escorted Rav Shimi Barashi from Pum Nahara to Beit Sinisa in Babylonia. And once they got there, he said to him, he said, Master, is it true that which people say? Is it really true that these trees in Babylonia have been here from the time of Adam, the first man, until now? Omar Leis, Rav Shimi Barashi answered, He reminded me of the words of Rav Yossi Barachnina, because Rav Yossi Barachnina said, What does it mean when the verse says, so this is a verse from the prophets, from Yirmiyahu, from Jeremiah. In a land through which no man has passed and no man has settled. So the question on that verse is, Once we say that no man passed it, then of course no one settled it. If you didn't pass through it, you obviously didn't settle it. Why didn't it just say, a land through which no one passed? Ella lo marlecha. Rather, it must be to tell you. Kol eretz shegazar aleha adam harishon liyishuv nisyashva. Rather, it's telling you that any land that Adam the first man decreed that it would be settled, it ended up being settled. V'chol eretz shelegazar aleha adam harishon liyishuv lo yinisyashva. And any land that adam harishon did not decree should be settled did not end up being settled. And the idea that Jeremiah was saying is that no man had passed and no man had settled. Um, in other words, it was a fulfillment of this idea that Adam had said that uh, had not decreed on this land settlement, and therefore it did not happen. Um, but what we do see here is that Rav Kahan and Rav Shimurashi, when they were parting from each other, they were sharing words of Torah. Now we have a very interesting little Gemara. Rav Mordechai Alveler of Shimibarashi Mehagronia Vad Bekifi. Rav Mordechai escorted Rav Shimibarashi from Garonia until Bekifi. Vamrila Ad Beidura, and some say it was until Beidura. And that is the end of that story. So how do we understand what exactly is the Gemara teaching us from this case that one rabbi escorted the other rabbi from one area to another? Um, so maybe the idea is, and this is how some of the commentaries understand it, is that they did not share words of Torah. We see they did not share words of Torah. So this will come to teach you that, of course, sharing words of Torah is a wonderful thing, but you don't, you don't awkwardly put it in. If that's what naturally comes up, then of course that should be shared, but it's not necessarily uh, an absolute obligation. So that may be a way of understanding this Gemara. All right, let us go further. Tanu Rabbanon, we are at the next colon, and this colon is one, two, three, four, five, six lines up before the lines get really wide, the widest. Tanu Rabbanon, the Rabbi's taught, Hamispalel, Tzarech Shayichav, Somebody that is praying, they have to focus their heart to heaven. Abishal Omar Abishal says, Simon Ladavar, we have a little bit of a proof for this concept from the verse that says, Tachin um, Libam, prepare your hearts, Takshivaz Necha, 
your ears should listen. Okay. Um, Tanya, it was taught in a brisa. Um, Rabbi Huda Buda says, this was the custom of Rabbi Akiva. When he was davening with the congregation, meaning when he was davening with the congregation, he would daven quickly and then he would finish. Um, because if not, if he wouldn't go quick, then it would become a uh, it would become a burden to the congregation because they would wait for him, and he didn't want that burden to happen. However, when he was praying by himself, means between him and between himself. Then, at the beginning of prayer, somebody would find him in one corner, and then find him at the end of his prayer service at the other corner, meaning he would move around a lot in his incredible focus, he wouldn't even realize it, but he would actually move around a lot. Now, how, why would he move around so much? It was because of all of the bowings and prostratings that Rabbi Kiva did during the prayer service. Okay, So now we're at the colon, second to last line before the wines get really lied. You should pray in a house that has windows. Shinemar, as the verse says about um, Daniel, about the prophet Daniel, and he had windows open, okay, meaning where he would pray, he had his windows open. Um, different reasons to have your windows open, but that is the law. Now, you may think that it was appropriate to pray the entire day. But Daniel made it very clear. Vizimnin tulasa, that you pray three times a day and that's it. Now you may have thought that Daniel only started to pray once he was in exile, but that you don't have to pray if you're not in exile. Kfarnemar, therefore the verse says, the way that he had done from before this point. So we see that he prayed even before exile. You may have thought that a person can pray in any direction that he would like. Therefore the verse says, Neged Yerushalayim, you shall pray facing Jerusalem. You may have thought that you can say all three prayer services of the day together at once, meaning say the Amidah three times, one after the other. But um, but that's already been explained through King David. The verse says, that you have to pray in the evening, in the morning, and in the afternoon. They cannot all be bunched up together. Okay, next... Uh, you may have thought that it's all right to have your voice heard while you're praying. But that it's very clear that, that is not true, as it says by Chana, the mother of Samuel the prophet, who from whose prayer we learn so much about prayer. It says, her voice was not heard. You may have thought that first you should ask Hashem for your needs in prayer and only then pray. Do the praises of God. Now, in our Amida, we do three blessings first that are praises of God. Then we do our asks, and then we do our thank yous. You may have thought that first should be your praying for necessity, praying for your stuff, and then praise. But but it's already been clarified through Shlomo Shenemar, as the verse says, Lishmoa el Harina to listen to Rina, which is song, Ve'el and to prayer. Rina Zutafila, this word song is a reference to prayer, which is praise. So we see that praise should come first, and then it says the Shmalarina Bel Hatafila 
Tefillah Zubakashas are a reference to asking for things, to requests, and we see that that should be second. Ein, now uh, we're going to go further. Ein Omer, Devar Achar Emes V'yatsiv. You should not say any sort of supplication after you say Shema and the blessing after the Shema. In other words, don't say, don't add supplications between Shema and its blessings and the Shemona Esri and the Amida. But once you finish the Amidah, you could say such a long list of requests, just as long as the confession of Yom Kippur, uh, which is very long, um, that would be totally appropriate. It Marnami was also said, even though he said that in the blessing of Shemona Esrei, which is in which we finish off, blessed are you, God, who listens to our prayer. Even though we said that during that blessing, you could ask for your necessities, for anything you need. Nonetheless, if you say it after, if you wait to ask for your request till after you're finished on the Amidah, you could even say, you could even ask requests that is as long as the confession of Yom Kippur. Um, whereas during Shema Kolenu, during that blessing of Shema Tefillah, you should only do very quick requests. Okay, now we're going to analyze um, Chana's prayer. As I said, when she prayed for her son, for her son, for a son, we're now going to analyze her prayer service and um, learn some very important laws. But we'll stop here and we'll do that on Monday. Um, what we started off with today was this idea of excessive happiness and how that's inappropriate. We have to understand more what that means. Then we talked about how to properly prepare for prayer, what you should be, if you're going to be learning, what you should learn before prayer. Um, we learned a little bit about how nida works. Then we talked about the things you certainly should not, your, your mind should be focused in a specific way um, and what that means exactly. Um, then we talked about how you should part from your friend and then we talked about um, which way you should face during davening and um, how long you should take to daven. Um, and then we talked about where you should daven, again, which way you should face with windows and towards Yerushalayim, towards Jerusalem, um, what should come first, your praises or your requests. And we'll, and uh, that was basically where we finished off. Um, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom, and I look forward to next time. Have a great weekend.